The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, as you may know, May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in Ireland, with over 13,000 new cases diagnosed every year. And the National Cancer Registry of Ireland expects this number to double by 2040. Now, early detection is vital. If spotted early, up to 90% of cases are totally curable. To tell us more, I'm joined by Peter Maher, consultant, plastic, reconstructive and aesthetic surgeon at the Beacon Hospital. Peter, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Now, most common in Ireland, and there are uh, categories of skin cancer. Explain. Yeah, it's the there's a very significant prevalence of uh, skin cancer in Ireland. It, it uh, accounts for almost thirty percent of the entire uh, cancer diagnosis in the country. So it's by far and away the uh, uh, greater cancer group to deal with. Skin cancer itself is divided between two separate groups. There's what are known as non-melanoma skin cancers and melanoma skin cancers, and they are fundamentally different from biolog- in biological terms and most importantly in terms of uh, how they behave. The far uh, larger group is the non-melanoma skin cancers, which rounding off percentages account for about 25% of all skin cancer annually, and the uh, remaining 5% is made up of the more serious and more challenging from a management point of view, the group of melanomas, of which there are numerous different types. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the non-melanoma types first. And uh, how would people know they have one of these things? What do they look like? Look, I think we, uh, human nature is such that we tend to discharge responsibility for looking after ourselves to medical professionals. But in this regard, frequently problems with our skin and, and moles can be identified by the patient themselves or by ourselves. And we have a, a, a simple algorithm for uh, looking at moles. It's referred to as the A, B, C, D or E. And so we are a moly nation, we're a fair-skinned nation, and uh, there's very few true Irish people who don't have a mole somewhere. So if we start with A, that refers to the symmetry of the mole or the shape of the mole. If it's a well-circumscribed or round mole and uniform, we tend not to worry about them. But if they're slightly asymmetrical, one half the mole being slightly different shape from the other, we get a little bit concerned. The border is the B. And we refer to uh, a uniform border where it's a circular mould, the, the, the edge of it isn't of any concern, it's not fragmented or anything. And if the, if the edge is not well circumscribed or defined, we get a little bit concerned. The C then refers to the colour, and this is of, uh, often the easiest thing to notice when you're looking at your moles, a change in colour is significant, it might darken or the dark pigment within it might become fragmented. So one half the mole might be slightly lighter or darker. Uh, the D then refers to diameter. And again, this is a little subtle, but if you have a mole that's greater, we say uh, about six millimetres, so probably the head of a pencil. Uh, if it's larger than that, we would have some concern, or that changes is, is most important. And then lastly, it's a little bit more subtle because these moulds, we carry them around with us, so we tend not to notice them change, but our, our partners, our family might no- notice the mould change, and that refers to the evolution or the E, the ABCDE, the evolution of the mould. If the mould changes in any way, you really need to seek, uh, seek help or get an opinion from somebody. Now, uh, people sometimes are very moly. They have, you know, literally hundreds of moles of greater or, or smaller size. What do you think of mole mapping? Yeah, it's certainly it's it's uh, it's it, there's a vogue for it currently, and it's I, I think it's a good thing. But it's like anything we we in terms of the risks of, of what group of people are exposed to risk. One of the one of the risk groups are people who have greater than fifty moles. This is something that uh, makes uh, general practitioners and physicians in general co- uh, uh, cause them some concern. And mole mapping is uh, when it's done properly, 
by properly qualified uh, people, particularly, they, in my opinion, mole mapping should really be the remit of dermatologists uh, where they have access to the right equipment. And mole mapping essentially looks at a mole, uh, uh, takes a photograph, a high quality digital photograph of it, and then perhaps a year later you might see the same person again and they use the same equipment to take a picture of the same mole. I, I have this vision that, two. you know, they put your naked body on the, the slab, they scan you, it draws this map of all your moles. They turn you over. You do the B side and then you've got a map that you can literally place on next year's map and see, is there any change? No, it, it's not. It's, quite, not, that good, it's no. not quite that terrifying. No, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no A and B side, unfortunately. Uh, but what, what would normally happen? And I think coming back to the concept, it, it's about the change in the mole. And that's where the mapping comes into it. In isolation, in a moment in time, it's, it's sometimes difficult to, uh, to identify mole the change. And that, that's troublesome. But if it changes, uh, it's significant. So the key here really is that the quality of the images are good and they are looked at by the same person. And ideally, as I said previously, that's somebody who's qualified to look at moles. Now, the moles, are is that where you find the melanomas? Or, I mean, there are the other kinds of cancers that you say are, are much easier to treat, the basal cell yeah. uh, carcinomas and the squamous cell carcinomas? Yeah, squamous, S-Q, squamous. Uh, yeah, A-M-O-U-S, squamous cell carcinomas. So so 25% of the skin cancers we're, we're talking about are non-melanoma skin cancers. So uh, they are eminently treatable. And uh, a lot of your listeners will be uh, frightened when they hear they have a diagnosis of skin cancer but this is the, these these conditions are treatable and curable and I mean they, they can treat them very quickly with uh, liquid nitrogen for example just yeah, pop them off it, it, it's, it's certainly one way I mean there's a number of different ways of sure. treating non-melanoma skin cancers and, and liquid nitrogen or topical therapies as we now refer refer, refer to these uh, modalities as are, are, are very effective and no, other ways of treating them would include surgical excision of course and, yeah. and more often than not we would do what's called an excision biopsy take a little bit of the away, find out what it is and then if topical therapy is an option uh, we, we, we might uh, go down that road and we, sh- we would normally share the care there's a lot of overlap between a consultant dermatologist and consultant plastic and reconstructive surgeon we, we, we share the workload yeah. in that regard Yeah, you might have to nip it out for example Yeah, so you'd normally take a little bit away and then depending on whether the, the, the two large groups and a lot of your listeners will have heard these terms the two large groups are referred to as basal cell carcinomas and squamous cell carcinomas And what are the squamous? They are a different variety, they involve the squamous layer of the skin, whereas the basal cell carcinomas involve the basal layer of the skin. The squamous cell carcinomas can be slightly more aggressive, but again, they are both entirely treatable. And the, and the key, as with most cancers, is prevention if we can, so prevent the causative factors, and then early access to treatment. And therein is one of the bigger challenges yeah. currently. Now, the question of secondaries forming from a cancer is it only the melanomas that will create secondaries? Certainly secondary deposits or metastatic deposits from melanoma is a real problem. You, you can get uh, metastatic deposits from squamous cell carcinoma. Um, it's not common. It typically occurs when the squamous cell carcinomas are in what are deemed to be high risk areas broadly speaking, the face and the hands, but it, it is thankfully very uncommon to get metastatic, yeah. uh, metastatic disease with squamous cell carcinoma. Mm. With the melanomas, uh, is it fair to say that some people are diagnosed when a secondary is discovered and then they say, uh-oh, where did this all begin? It was a melanoma. 
Yeah, look, that certainly happens uh, where you get somebody who presents with a secondary. Thank- thankfully, Pat, it's rare. Uh, under normal circumstances, we, we, we would see a melanoma in the first instance and then look out for, 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 for the secondary. But again, it's, it, we're in an unusual situation with skin cancer because it can be prevented. So if you look at any other kind of skin cancer, we look at how do you address it? Well, the first way is to prevent it. There are many skin cancers we don't know the cause of. We know that sun exposure, for example, is a very significant factor with the, gen- the, the genesis both of non-melanoma and melanoma skin cancer. So, you know, taking adequate precautions to prevent that happening is very important. And then if you are in the situation that it happens, you need uh, uh, early access to treatment. And that's, that's a huge problem. Uh, you tell you've, many of your listeners will tell the story where they've been referred to a dermatologist and they haven't got an appointment for 18 months or even two years, regardless of what sector of the healthcare system they are in. And that's a problem that we need to address. And certainly it's one of the problems that in the Beacon Hospital where I work, we're currently trying to address where we can give patients rapid access to, to, to being seen now, by experts. There are those who'll say, you know, smoke one cigarette and you might get lung cancer. You know, statistically, of course, it's possible. Um, But what about sunlight and the amount of it you get and uh, in what doses you get? I mean, some people literally burn their bodies when they go out in the sun. Other people might tan easily, for example, and spend the whole day in the sun. Sure. I mean, look, at this part of the world and this seaboard of Europe, we, we, we are fair skinned. I mean, of course, there are some Irish people with a little bit of Spanish blood who tan, tan easily, but the majority of us are. Would you are, not be a bit that way now? Just looking at you, you seem to be I'm more not, sallow I'm, than. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not than sure I that I, I'm not sure of any <laughs> Spanish blood and I can't vouch for yourself. <laughs> but uh, uh, look, I, I think if you've fair skin, you, you need to protect it. You need to be sensible. Sunlight is good for you. I mean, patients often say to me, you know, should I stay out of the sun completely? No, you shouldn't. It's very, it's enormous sunlight is very good for us. You should stay away from a sunbed. Absolutely. They yeah. should, in my opinion, be banned. But uh, you should, a bit of sunlight is good. But you need to be sensible. And it's not just a question of, you know, the overcast day, there's as much harmful, there's as many harmful rays of sunshine or sunlight out there. Even though you don't get burnt on absolutely. that. Absolutely. So we need, we need to be very vigilant for the next generation. I think it's going to be completely different. We, uh, and you've even seen it in the last 10 years with rashy vests and sun creams and so on and so forth for the children. Um, This is a question. If you've been referred to a dermatologist by a GP and the wait is months and months, but you're very concerned about the mole in question, what do you do? Do you go to A&E? Uh, look, you know, I, I touched on this. I touched on this earlier. This is a huge problem, and um, it's interesting that one of your listeners has brought it up. The, the current wait to see either a dermatologist or indeed a plastic surgeon uh, is is of the order of eighteen months. I don't think the answer is uh, to attend A and E. I mean, we've enough problems in, uh, with our colleagues in the A and E department dealing with everything else. I think we need to re- revisit the subject. It's certainly, as I said to you already, you know, in the Beacon we have what we refer to as a see and treat clinic so patients come and see us are seen by somebody senior and they're treated the same day and uh, that's really the ideal model that we need to try and generate in, in all sectors both private and public well, I'm sectors I'm sure you have your waiting lists too yeah, y- Yes we do but we've ways of dealing with it you know you, it's like anything if you have a waiting list and there's loads of people waiting to see to, to, to see you well then you get more people who can help them so you, you, expa- you expand but your department But it's the idea that you kind of triage and you say well okay this person that looks a bit dodgy we better do something about that but on the other hand your condition it doesn't look like it's something that needs attention yeah. today come back to us in a month 
this is the real risk, isn't it? Triage is, is, is fine if you're triaging a person in real time and they're in front of you. But if you're triaging somebody who's got a mole or sent in a poor quality mole, and, and sometimes we do get images sent in, and sometimes they're very, very helpful. You know, the GP mm. will send in a, a very helpful image of a mole and you say, look, this can't wait. But there are patients who fall foul of the system who don't access the services, unfortunately, for, for various different reasons, depending on what sector of the healthcare system now, they're in occasionally. We, we've talked about moles, but there are other things. Uh, I'm reading a list of symptoms here. Uh, you know, a flat red spot, a firm red lump, uh, a lump or a spot that's tender to touch, an ulcer that won't heal, a lump with a scaly or horny top, rough scaly patches. Very, uh, there. I'm very impressed, Pat. You've obviously been reading the uh, textbooks last night before you came into work today. Uh, they are all uh, descriptions of various different types of non-melanoma skin cancers. The horny, le- the lesion with a keratotic horn or a crusty lesion or a little red scaly, uh, what looks like a little bit of perhaps psoriasis or a rash on your skin. These are all the hallmarks of, of non-melanoma skin cancers. Extremely common, extremely easy to treat and cure. Well, that's the good news. Absolutely. Right. Um, so it is uh, Skin Cancer Awareness Month and uh, your advice to people is just check out your moles. Yeah, just remember what I said, A, B, C, D or E. And if you have any concerns, you know, check check in with your GP. And, and if they are genuinely concerned, they can hopefully expedite uh, an opinion with uh, an expert dermatologist uh, or a plastic surgeon. And of course, uh, sunscreen, but a uh, question which I don't know whether you can uh, answer it. How can you convince your children to put on sunscreen and what sprays would, would uh, be recommended? recommended. Well, of course, the suggestion there is that the children no longer listen to what we tell them. So times have changed a little bit. Um, I think uh, I think the best way to educate children is just to be straight up with them and tell them this is what happens if you don't do something. And I think the younger children, in real term, will be wearing rashes. If you go to Australia, if you I lived in Australia for a time, and in Australia the children have to wear rash vests. And if you're on the beach and you fall asleep, the police wake you up. Uh, so okay. this is the ki- the kind of a pr- and sunbeds are banned. They're illegal in Australia. So, you know, these are the kind of precautions that we need to take. So just be vigilant and tell the children that it's this is serious. You need to look after yourselves. We can't be there all the time for you. Peter Marr, consultant, plastic, reconstructive and aesthetic surgeon at the Beacon Hospital. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.